High Noon with George Hook. News Talk 106 to 108. Joined now by Bill Hughes, who's got another essential song for me. All right, now, of course, this, uh, Bill Hughes joins me every week because he picks a greatest essential song. I suppose one can say from history, and also, of course, what I do then is I put it up on Spotify, so you can stream it on George Hook's essential songs, and so many of you are streaming it. But you've been shooting the lights out recently, even with the songs I don't like. Uh, Can you keep up that standard? I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so, yeah. This song was released in 1983, but it closed the Los Angeles Olympics in 1984 with a live performance where the entire stadium danced as though they were at a carnival. The song is All Night Long by Lionel Richie. Oh. Now, Lionel Richie is Marmite. People love him or people can't stand him. To me, he fits into the same wonderful class as ABBA. He's that likeable, that infectious, that fun. And I associate great times with them. He also writes mean love songs, beautiful ballads that if you ever want to be maudlin and you want to sit at home and feel sorry for yourself with a bottle of wine, put Lionel Richie on and you'll cry. If I want to be maudlin, like I don't need Lionel Richie. Oh, no, I know. You just have to look in the mirror. (laughs) You just have to feel sorry for yourself. I, now... I don't know very much about this guy. Okay, well, he's he's a fascinating guy. He's black. He's black. A mustache. A mustache. I think. I, well, I, at least I might recognise him. A very um, prominent mouth. Uh, he's an unusual looking guy. He's the kind of Sammy Davis type figure. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. Kind of fits into without that. without that much talent. Without. Oh no! I think he's a wonderfully talented guy. Sammy Davis Jr. didn't write his own music. All right. Uh, Lionel Richie writes everything. So, okay. Um, now. The one thing about All Night Long that people might not realise is that the video was produced by Mike Nesmond, who they might remember. As and one the, of monkeys. the monkeys. Yes. Mike Nesmond. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He produced it. And there was it. another fella called Tork. Uh, Peter Tork. There was another fella called Mickey Dolenz. Dolenz. Yeah. And, and Davy Jones. The jockey. That's the one. That's the one. Got it. So, okay. Well, that that's just a little sidestep. But Lionel, well, why don't we do the monkeys instead? <laughs> well, Lionel Richie, he was born in 1949. And he was born in the Alabama town of Tuskegee. Or Tuskegee. Depending on how you pronounce well, it. Well, of course, uh, there's great historical stuff about Tuskegee. The airmen? Yeah. Yes. Oh! I'm surprised you knew that. I thought you were a kind of one topic, well, two topics, tennis and music. I didn't think you had any other talents. Oh, yeah. Okay. Food, film and sex. (laughs) There you go. You're missing out. And travel. So um, the town was full of, they were heroes who fought for their country and they came back and they couldn't vote. Because they were black. Because they were black. And, you know, one day... When he was nine years of age, he went to Montgomery, Alabama, on a little day trip with his dad. Which, again, huge significance in terms of Martin Luther King and all that yeah. sort of stuff. And it was a summer's day. It was very hot. Yeah. And Lionel Richie went over and drank from a fountain. Oh. And it was marked. Whites only. Marked for whites only. Wow. And a group of white men gathered round and got around his dad and, and started screaming, what's he doing? So the dad grabbed him. And they ran. And years later, Lionel Richie said, why did you run? Why didn't you stay and fight? And the father said, I had a choice. Be a man or be a father. Because mm. he knew the kid. So 
Lionel Richie's respect for his dad went so far up yeah, that that's day. Fantastic. Actually, it's quite interesting because when you pick a lot of um, these black performers, be they men or women mm-hmm. in America, very often they come from a poor family backgrounds, not in terms of money, mm-hmm. but but in terms of emotion and and that. So here we have somebody with this great relationship with his father, which is, I would put it relatively unusual. Mm. And, and you know? on top of that, he was a champion sportsman and he won a sports scholarship to college. Richard did. Tennis. Tennis. Oh. Uh, and no uh, wonder you liked him. <laughs> I was, uh, Pat Cash and Lionel Richie, it's all but Bill Hughes he, thinks about. He got together with, a, he was studying divinity. He was going forward to be an Episcopal priest. <laughs> and he got together with a group of lads because music was his passion. And they formed a little group in college called the Commodores. And the first night they played, the women in the audience went completely mad. And the following morning, Lionel Richie phoned the bishop. And he said, <laughs> <laughs> he said um, I've had an epiphany last night <laughs> and I don't think I'm cut out for the right. cloth. <laughs> so now, interestingly, I know something in common with Lionel Richie because I, I wanted to be a Dominican priest in Cork and then I discovered girls and I won't mention her name, uh, but I held her hand in the back row of Savoy Cinema and I decided I didn't want to be a priest. So I can understand Richie's epiphany. The interesting thing about the epistle Episcopalian Church, it's the American equivalent of the Church of England. Yeah. It's the Anglican community, really. Yeah. So with the Commodores, they got spotted at college and they were offered the opening act gig for a new band from Motown who were causing a stir in America called the Jackson Five. And the Commodores became their opening act. And so while they were seniors in college, they were drawing down annual salaries of $200,000 each. <laughs> so it was a case of, mm, we're out of here. <laughs> okay. Now, just a matter of interest, because Michael Graham went to a kind of divinity college, right? Did mm. Was Lionel Richie at a divinity college or was he just at a mainstream college reading divinity? He was at a mainstream college reading divinity. So that was, that was just a thing. And right. uh, let's not go there with Michael Graham, no, because we're talking about Christians today, aren't we? Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> Michael Graham is great. Is it's a great Christian in your opinion? Um, Onward, so, Christian soldiers <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. But then, the, then the Commodores ended up getting their own recording contract with Atlantic Records, okay. and they were known for very funk kind of music. But okay. they they then got signed over to Motown, and Richie sat down and wrote "Easy," three times a lady. Still. I know those. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant songs. And by the late 70s, he had begun to accept songwriting uh, commissions from other people. So he wrote Lady for Kenny Rogers that went to number one all over the world. So in 1982, Lionel Richie decided to release his debut album. He had just written and performed Endless Love with Diana Ross. That had become a global success. So at this stage, Lionel Richie carving out a career that was like unparalleled at the time. I know. Has he? Did the Commodores are gone? This stage, Uh, the Commodores stayed as the Commodores, but they faded into um, relative obscurity as. Lionel Richie's solo career, yeah. his star went into the ascent. Richie's now 67, by the way. 
the, at the moment, yeah. yeah. And you know, he's he's still out there. He's still doing it. And when he comes to Dublin. He drives audiences into a frenzy and his tickets sell comes out. Comes to Dublin? He comes regularly to, to play concerts in Dublin. Does he? Yeah. And He's a kind of Phil Collins fin- guy. Yeah, but he sells out immediately. Phil Collins is struggling a little, but that's because he's chosen too big a venue. But that's none of my business either. Um, so, But the first album sold four million copies and the song truly went to number one. But his follow-up album, Can't Slow Down, and that's where All Night Long fits in. Right. And that is where he takes all of his soul and his funk, but he adds in Caribbean and Calypso to it. And that's why All Night Long gets released what? and it goes to number one all over the world. All right, now I'm a great uh, student of the Olympic Games. I can't remember the closing music of Los Angeles, I must say. Um, I can't remember the music at any Olympics, really. But, um, and there's something I'm not interested in. But... What's this song all about? Like, is this upbeat or is it more? It's about no. It's really upbeat. It's about come out and party, and, oh, and everybody's right. going to have a so really I good time. So I might like this. Really. I think you'll like this. This is infectious, and apart from anything else, it'll fit into your Spotify playlist for driving music. Oh, drive to car. It's oh, it's a perfect, perfect driving to drive song. to car. Yeah. As my my uh, my hero Terry Wogan would say, is this foot tapping? Oh, very much so. All and right. hand well, clapping. Why don't we hand clap, foot tap, and do everything to Lionel Richie and all night long, which you can find, of course, on Spotify. Stream it. Um, George Hawks Essential Songs. Stop! 
Lionel Richie, All Night Long, one of Bill Hughes's essential songs for this week. It left me unmoved. My feet didn't tap. Uh, and the only thing that I got in it was what you did say, that he had brought Calypso and Caribbean to bear on it, because there's a very definite sound of Calypso and Caribbean. Totally unmoved. Gosh, I, I'd like to borrow some of your Prozac if that's the case. <laughs> There's something wrong with you if you didn't learn. I bet you there's a ton of people out there were unmoved by that. Well, of I course, bet you a ton of people. There's curmudgeons listen to you because people are drawn like moths to a flame. No, so that's, um, that's not everybody's <laughs> cup of tea. Come on, now. it's not everybody's cup of tea. I didn't say it was. It's one. It's a well, like, song I mean, for me. Yeah, but like, I love it. Yeah, but if you weren't so narrow-minded in these matters of picking songs, like. Like, next week I could be listening to Ella Fitzgerald or last night I was listening to the wonderful Sarah Vaughan and, you know, there's so I've much good a stuff lot out there. of them yeah. and you can't Lionel be going Richie back to the all same night little... long. Just... Anyway, okay, he still has an audience and the summer of 2015, he played Glastonbury Festival and the BBC called his concert triumphant. The guy just is a showman. He knows what he's at. So, in life and in romance, for somebody who writes such beautiful love songs, he's been a bit of a shit, I have to say. (laughs) (laughs) Finally. I was wondering, like, I thought at any moment we were going to petition Pope Francis to canonise him. He married his college sweetheart, Brenda Harvey, back in 1975. They um, informally adopted a little girl uh, called Nicole. Okay. Now, Nicole Ritchie, for people who like uh, reality TV, they'll remember her as the sidekick of Paris Hilton for years. And uh, Nicole, they then... I love informally adopted. I'm not sure what that means. They informally adopted her. They were looking after her because oh, she right, has okay. some trouble background. But then they raised her as their daughter and adopted her legally when she was nine years old. Okay. Um, but in 1986, while still married to Brenda Harvey... He started a relationship with Diane Alexander and Brenda Harvey got wind of it and discovered that they were in the Beverly Hills Hotel doing the naughty in an afternoon. And she, she, she went took to a the door to his motor car. She went to the door and knocked and said room service <laughs> and she was admitted. My kind of girl. And... She was arrested because she went so berserk on the pair of them in the room. <laughs> so they were divorced, Richie and Harvey, and he married Diane, who he'd been in the room Diane with. Diane Alexander. And they had two children, okay. a boy and a girl. But that marriage ended in 2003. Okay. And Nicole, uh, sorry, uh, Nicole Richie, his, 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 uh, adopted, his adopted daughter, daughter she... Um, has now been in a relationship with Joel Madden. And a lot of our younger listeners will know that he is the lead singer of The Good Charlotte. The Good Charlotte are a band that I will never play as an essential song uh, for you. Don't I you would dare. choose them, don't but you, it would give no, you a heart attack. Don't you dare. Anyway, they have now made Lionel Richie a grandfather, so he's delighted. But um, one of the biggest things that happened in his career, he got to write... You know, you know, Geldof and Midjour wrote uh, the the Band Aid. Uh, oh yeah, you know, yeah, for, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the American version of that was "We Are the World." We and Richie that. wrote uh, Richie with Michael Jackson. Okay. And uh, he he wanted to do it, 
uh, Harry Belafonte phoned him up and said, there's plenty of white folks saving black folks, but not a lot of black folks saving black folks. What are you going to do? So Lionel Richie, Quincy Jones and Michael uh, Jackson got together and Lionel Richie's description of the recording sessions and the writing sessions take you into the bizarre world of Michael Jackson because he said they were there for three days. They were trying to write We Are The World. His dog won't stop barking and his minor bird won't stop shouting at the dog to shut up the dog. And it's on repeat. And the next thing he sees movement on the wall and he says... And the snake starts coming out. Michael Jackson. And Lionel Richie said he did think he was in a madhouse. But in the end, they wrote the song that sold 20 million copies. We are the world. So good good result. Okay, okay, okay. Well, Lionel Richie, his music was in the closing of the Los Angeles Olympics. And he wrote We Are the World for the American version of Band-Aid. He won the Oscar for Say You, Say Me. All that night long by Lionel Richie is Bill Hughes' essential song, which you'll find on Spotify, uh, in George Hook's Essential Songs. Uh, you can also, uh, there's a gadget on your thing, which is a fast forward, so you can actually uh, miss it completely if you want to, uh, and get straight to the Andrews Sisters and the Bugle Boy from Company C. Bill Hughes will be back next week, and if he brings Charlotte and Joel Madden into the studio, they'll be held to pay. Thank you, uh, Bill. <laughs> The most begrudging thanks I've ever received in my life. (laughs) That's it for today. Next up, Sean Moncrief.